0: Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for all that you've done already. Awesome worship, God, and and spending time in fellowship. Father, we we lift up the word before you this morning, God. Father, stir our hearts, God. I pray that people are hungry and ready to receive all that you have for us, God, this morning. Man, we give it to you and we thank you for all that you're going to do. Holy Ghost, grab a hold of us this morning. Flood this place even, even in a greater measure this morning as your word goes forth. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Well, I <laughs> today I want to talk about authority. And, and in particular, the authority that us as believers walk in or are to walk in or the authority that's been made available for us to walk in. And it's, it's an awesome topic and, and I love this. So let's just get right into it. We're going to start in Genesis we got to figure out where we lost it, and then we got to figure out how we got it, and, and then we got to look at how we walk in it. <clears throat> Genesis 1, 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God gave man dominion. When he placed man on this earth and he created him over everything on this earth. You could say that God desired man to be his under ruler. You could say it that way. God created man to walk on this earth, to have dominion over things on this earth. And to walk in authority on this earth. It's important that we understand. How God established things in the beginning. So that we can look when Jesus come back. You know but God. When Jesus come back. How he reestablished things. So the first thing is this morning. God gave man dominion. Over the earth. Now. That doesn't mean, and I know some guys would like it to be this way, God did not give us dominion over another person. Or God did not give us dominion over our wives. And all the ladies said, Amen. Now on the other hand, ladies, God did not give you dominion over your husbands. Now, I know, I know that a lot of people say, you know, and, and my wife and I believe this, that the man is the head. But as my wife says, she's the neck which turns the head. <laughs> <laughs> and all the husbands said, oh, my. God gave us dominion over this earth when He created Adam. We're to be a people who, who, who walks in authority, who controls things that go on around us and live a purposeful, meaningful life. And most importantly, God created us to worship Him. The next thing is so now that we've got that established, we're going to jump in and go to Genesis 3.6. And 3.6 says this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And at this point, this is what we call... Adam commits treason or high treason. See, when God comes and says, when these guys are hiding and God comes and he he says, Adam, what did you do? What's going on? Adam says, well, it's that woman you gave me, God. Adam's the first. Adam's the first victim. (laughs) all of a sudden Adam's got the victim mentality but God looks at Eve and says what have you done Eve and Eve says I was deceived you see Eve was deceived she was tricked she was fooled however you want to say it but Adam knew what he was doing and when you read that scripture, it says Adam was right there because he gave him the apple, and Adam ate of it. And it doesn't matter if it was an apple. Sorry, I use that. I don't know, maybe it was a star fruit. Doesn't matter what it was. God said, don't do it, and they did it. So God shows up, like I mentioned earlier, and these guys run and they hide in fear and, and God's like what is going on why are you guys hiding in fear you know me I'm the one that created you but you see as we when we read the New Testament and, and, and Jesus opens things up to us we understand that we're to be a people of faith and Adam was supposed to be a person of faith as well And the opposite of faith, as we know, is fear. And all of a sudden, when that dominion and that lordship was transferred from Adam to Satan, Adam went from faith to Satan's faith, which is fear. And because of that, all of mankind would be hurting for a very long time. And is still hurting to this day. When I think about it, it boggles the mind. I mean, we were talking, I think the other day, we were talking at Stan's house, you know. How can I be responsible for what someone did a long time ago, 6,000 years ago? Why am I responsible for that? The reason I'm responsible is because God gave Adam the keys to this, this earth. And Adam said, God... I don't believe you, I believe someone else, else, and I'm going to serve him. And in doing so, Adam gave the keys to this earth, to Satan. It was a sad time. And when that took place, the earth became cursed. And things started to happen that weren't of God and, and, and were horrible. All because of Adam's high treason. John, 1 John. Five eighteen through 19 says this. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. It's the curse. You see, those people who don't know Jesus and haven't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior are under Satan's grip. They're under Satan's dominion. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says this, And if you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, whereby nature, children of wrath, just as others. When we look at these two scriptures, we understand no God, no freedom. If there's no God in your life, you're bound. You're bound. God must come into your life. God must restore your life to be free. So it brings up the big question then, which I've kind of somewhat answered, gotten ahead of myself a little bit, and that's this, why did Jesus come? Why did he come? Why did Jesus come? Anytime we lack knowledge or wisdom, we go back to God's word. And God's word says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? Relationship with God, right? Authority, dominion, it was lost, right? He came to seek and save that which was lost. Genesis 3.15 says something very profound. Basically, it says this, I'm going to paraphrase it, gospel according to Bruce. God prophesied that even though Satan won this battle, there was one coming that was greater than that was going to take his authority and take him down. The Bible says there's one coming that's going to crush your head. And crush your head simply means a transfer of authority. Satan's going to lose his authority. Satan's going to lose his authority. Ephesians 4, 9 through 10 says this. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended... In the lower parts of the earth, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So here we are. Man's in its fallen state. God prophesies and says there's one coming. Satan, there's one coming. Get ready. But man's still in this fallen state. Man's hurting. Disease, sickness are rampant. The earth is slowly deteriorating. See, because, like we said last week, right, the Word of God holds everything up. The earth is slowly deteriorating, it's in a state of chaos. In Noah's day, man became so evil and couldn't be repaired except for six that God preserved on the ark. Perverseness was taking hold. And at times it was hard to find somebody who still believed and trusted and heard from God. Step one, there's one coming. There's one coming, God says. There's one coming. And he came. And he lived the sinless life. He fulfilled the law. And the Bible says, when he died, he died and he took everything that we ever did or could do upon him. He took all the sickness. He took all the disease. He took all the sin and it was heaped upon him at that very moment on the cross. Think about that. All my sin, all your sin, all, ever, all the millions and billions of people, all their sin was heaped upon him at one time. All the guilt and the shame and the despair was heaped on him at one time. But the Bible says that he descended and the grave couldn't hold him. Why couldn't the grave hold him? Because he lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the law. And the Bible says he went down and he grabbed a hold of Satan by the neck. And I'm paraphrasing again. Gospel according to Bruce. He grabbed Satan by the nap of the neck. And he dragged him around. And he made a spectacle of him. And he showed everything that was down there that Satan wasn't all that. That Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That Jesus was the Lion of Judah. The Bible says he paraded him around made a spectacle of them. Death. Where is your sting? (laughs) Jesus took it away. Revelations 1, 17 through 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys to Hades and death, or hell and death, or death, hell, and the grave, or however you want to say it. Satan had a plan, but God's plan was bigger. Come on. Philippians 2 9 through 10. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that name's above sickness. That name's above cancer. That name is above arthritis. That name is above everything. That name is above pride. That name is above deceit. That name is above lying. That name is above everything. God put it under His feet. God put it under His feet. He conquered it. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth will bow. We'll bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We'll bow to Jesus Christ. Everything will bow. Satan one day will bow his knee. Everything will bow. Everything will bow. And this is where we really start. Now that the foundation's laid, we have authority to proclaim the gospel. I want you to know this morning that we have authority to proclaim the gospel. Luke 4, 17 through 19 says this. And he was handed the book of the prophet of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's Jubilee. That's Jubilee. See, before you find Jesus, you're poor. I don't care how much money you have, I'm talking about that. You're poor. You're beat down, you're hurting. You may not know it but you heard it but jesus said i have come to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord i was looking in vines and i was looking up the word jubilee and jubilee is in reference to the 50th year in the jewish calendar um, the end of the 49th year there's a debate as to whatever doesn't matter but it's the 50th year of And and during this 50th year, jubilee is declared. And what it means is, all the slaves are set free. The captives are released. Debt is forgiven. Things are restored. And Vine says this, and I wrote it down. It restored, or they were restored back to the state they were 50 years ago. As if it never happened. Think about that. Jesus stands up. And he says this. He says, I am the fulfillment. I am jubilee. You are no longer to be held captive. You are no longer to be bound by the debt that you owe. I took it for you or I'm going to take it for you. See, Jesus is jubilee. It's arrived. We get jubilee every day. They only get it once every 50 years. We get it every day. We get it every minute. We get it every second. We have authority to proclaim the gospel. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me because he has anointed me or given me the power to preach the gospel. We have authority to preach the gospel. We have authority. We're free, we're free, we are free. Come on, you're free, you're free. Ha <laughs> ha! Come on, dropkick me, Jesus. <laughs> the next thing is this: we have authority to stand against the devil. We have authority to stand against the devil. James four seven. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And I love this. Barclays says it this way. So then accept the authority of God. Take a stand against the devil and he'll run. He's not just going to flee, he's going to run. I love that. I love it. I love it. When Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan, at the end of it, met him out in the wilderness. And the first temptation that came, and this is in Matthew 1-11, and it's not up there. Um, if, you want it, if you want to find it in your Bibles, it's on page 849. <laughs> but he answered. And, um, now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread, what Jesus say? Jesus said, Satan, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, Satan, you're a liar. You're a liar. This is what God says. And we come to the next one. <clears throat> and he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give the." His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus says what? It's written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan's like, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh for two. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> All right. So Satan holds up, and he's, he's got a big one this time. And again, the devil took him on a hike on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him, and then the angels came and ministered We have authority over the devil. It's written. We have authority over the devil. It's written. Man, think about what Jesus just did in that temptation. You ever thought about that temptation? Jesus knows what he's going to go through. And we know that he knows it because of the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, God, if you take this thing from me, I don't want to deal with it. If you can He knows, and obviously Satan has all of it to give him, or it wouldn't have been a temptation. Think about that. If you knew that you were going to get beaten beyond recognition, that you were going to get crucified, that you were going to get humiliated and all this stuff, and someone says to you, I've got a way out, that's a pretty heavy temptation. Jesus says no. Jesus says no. Then you got Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. I'm not going to read it. Pastor Russ dealt with it a little while ago, the full armor of God to stand against the things of the devil. And then Ephesians 4, 27, if you're taking notes, says don't give place to the devil. Don't give place. He's defeated. There's no reason. He's defeated. We have authority. And God has called us to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. You notice that one of the weapons of our warfare is a sword. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Peacemaker. A peacekeeper stands back and lets it come to him. A peacemaker goes and brings peace to the land next one is God has called us to walk and minister with authority and actually I'm I'm not going to go to the verse yet I want to start in Matthew 16 13 through 19 Matthew 16 if you have your Bibles 13 through 19 And again, that's on page 863. Sorry, Stan, you have the NIV, don't you? I'm just kidding. i got to give Stan, the holy man, a hard time. Okay. 16, 13 through 19 says this. When Jesus came in the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do men say I am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, and he said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, But my father who is in heaven and I also pray that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it And I will give you The keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth Will be loosed in heaven So did he say Peter was the rock? Some people say that I say no Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, the Spirit told you that, and upon the revelation of that, I'm going to build my church. See, we call him Jesus Christ. Jesus is his name. Christ is who he is. Christ is not his name. Jesus is his name. Christ is who he is. And what is Christ? the anointed one the anointed one so jesus is the anointed one who goes around healing all those who are oppressed right that's what it says that would be acts 1038 he's the anointed one peter you grabbed a hold of something huge You get it. I'm the anointed one. And what does the Bible say the anointing is? The anointing is really, and I'm going to paraphrase again, gospel according to Bruce, is that power that flows through us from God. And the Bible says that the anointing removes the burdens and destroys the yokes. Man, the yokes that are hanging over you and your family that have been hanging over you for years, those those family curses and things that, that have been going through your family. I knew a guy... That I used to work with in Boeing. And he said to me, <clears throat> he said, my great-grandfather died at age 50 with a heart attack. He said, My grandfather died at the age 50 with a heart attack. I'm, I'm not joking. He said, My dad died at age 50 of a heart attack. And he looked me in the face and he said, And I'm gonna die at 50 of a heart attack. He's not 50 yet. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But look, it's a yoke that's hanging around his family's neck. It's a curse that's hanging around that family and holding it down. And it might be other things. I don't know you. I don't know the history of your family. And I don't know all the things that go on in your family. But I guarantee you there are things that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And you don't have to live in that anymore. The anointing of God is here to remove the yoke. The Bible says actually destroy it. Think about that. That's like... That's like putting something on the ground, like a piece of glass on the, you know, setting it down there and taking a big sledgehammer and smashing it into little pieces. Destroy it so it can't be repaired again. The anointing and the power of God is here to deliver you and deliver your family from those curses that have been pulling you down. Whew. God is a good God. And those burdens which you're carrying around with you day after day after day, you don't have to live with those anymore. Satan will tell you you do, but he's a liar. And we don't have to be afraid of him either. The Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion, consuming whom he may. Jesus is the lion of Judah. Satan is not the lion. He makes himself sound like one that's like me. That's like me putting a big microphone on my daughter's car, making it sound like a semi driving around. It's going to hurt if I hit you, but if I hit you with a semi, it's really going to hurt. Just doesn't have as much power. Probably roadkill with the semi. Don't be roadkill in the South. <clears throat> Some of you will get that later. Just... Put it in your pocket. <laughs> save it for later. Hold out later. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, is here for you day in and day out. Philippians 1, 18. And Corinthians 1. How much time do I got? A time. Philippians one eighteen says this. I don't want to be one of those preachers that stands up, says, and I'm closing, which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, Philippians one eighteen says this, and again, it's it's not up there. I these were additions afterwards. What then? Only that in every way whether in the pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this, in this I rejoice. Yes, I rejoice. In 1 Corinthians one twenty three, Paul says, they went about and they preached Christ. They preached about God's anointing, healing, bringing liberty to the captives, right? Healing the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind, Man, fixing up the oppressed. That's what he did. He's the anointed one. God is the anointed one. Several years ago, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Alicia, <clears throat> we were getting ready to go to bed. And she had been sick. And she had bumps all over her neck and... Um, all sorts of stuff was going on with her, and, and for those of you who don't know, my wife, her hotness is a, is a nurse, and um, she uh, started going through the medical books and looking it up stuff here and there, and I don't understand all that Italian and whatever it is. I don't know what all those things are. I just know God heals, but anyway, she was looking all this stuff up in the books, and everything she found was not good. Was not good. And, and I had this feeling in my spirit that this was a serious, serious situation. And for some reason, I don't know why, I broke down. And I'm at my daughter's bedside. And I am just crying and weeping. Because I'm afraid that I'm gonna lose my daughter. <clears throat> How many of you know that it's good to have friends? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's good to have those people to lift your arms up when you need it. I called a I called I called a really close buddy of mine, Keith Kippen, and he's actually my mentor. I called him up and I said, Keith, this is what's going on. I said, I can't, I can't stop crying. I just can't stop. And Keith started speaking the word of God to me. We started going through scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. scripture. And pretty soon, my faith started to rise up. And that fear was starting to get pushed down. And we kept going scripture after scripture. And then pretty soon, something clicked. I hung up the phone. I walked into that bedroom, laid my hands on my daughter, and took authority over whatever that was. My daughter was healed. My youngest daughter. I remember one night. Why do things always happen in the night? I remember one night. Death and darkness must have something in common. I don't know. So I'm. We're there again. And all of a sudden. I mean she is just crying out in pain. She's all buckled over and crying out in pain. And. Again, you know, those emotions. This is your kid. You know? Just think how Jesus feels when you're in pain. It, it must be at an even greater level. So she's all buckled over and she's hurting. And we threw her in the car and we start driving to the hospital. And uh, something just hit me again. And my wife and I started laying hands on her and praying the word of God over her. And speaking the word of God over her. And declaring the stripes of Jesus and the blood of Jesus over her life. By the time we got to the parking lot, she was, she was totally restored. She was fine. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this. We're coming to the end times. This thing's just about done. And the Bible says that there's going to be one last revival that takes place. And that last revival, in order for that to really take place, God needs a people who will hunger and will thirst after him, a people who will get on their knees and pray, a people who will seek his face, a people who will allow themselves to walk in the anointing and the power of God. Not because they're anything special, but because God flows through them. See, you can posi- you position yourself in a place where you're hearing the word of God, and God flows through you. How do we position ourselves in that place? We spend time in the Word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time seeking God's face. Jesus said the things I did, and greater you'll do. Now, you can take that verse however you want. But what that verse tells me is God's expecting miracles to flow through us. God's expecting the anointing to flow through us. See, there are some churches that are, I'm not going to go there, but there were some people who will say that all of that died away with the apostles. Can you imagine? Think about this. Being in line, waiting for your healing, standing there in front of John, the last apostle, waiting to get in line, and all of a sudden John drops dead. I missed it by two people? Are you kidding me? As long as people are hurting. As long as people are in despair. We need the anointing. We need the power of God. And it needs to be demonstrated. People's lives need to be changed. See, the anointing's not for you. It's for you to minister to other people. Come on now. I don't want to get started over again. (laughs) Actually, I want that one. (laughs) Mark 16, 15 through 20. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow them to believe. In my name they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. But, pastor, those things were done away with when the Bible came out. Don't you know that? No, I don't. No, I don't. Why? Why? because I've seen it. I've seen it. And I see hurting people and they need it. People say, "Well, that wasn't really in the original text." <laughs> yeah, all but one. There's only one text. That says it's not in there. All the other manuscripts and everything say it's in there. Besides, I believe this Bible was inspired by God. You know, we're a full gospel church dog on it. We believe what the Bible says. We don't go in there and start lining stuff out because we don't like what it says. We embrace God's Word. We walk in God's Word. We believe God's Word. We stand on God's Word. We're a people of God's Word. A people of purpose. Now you may go. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, and I'm, I'm just about done. The band wants to come up. I'm rolling this down. Which means it does in this case. <laughs> being a children's guy, I honor our children's workers <clears throat> in being done on time. And I believe God honors that too. Because if the glory of God falls in this place, the Shekinah glory falls in this place, and we're all sucking dirt on the ground, the children will be too. So, 2 <laughs> Corinthians 5.20 says... We are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who is sent out to represent. We're the representation of Christ on this earth as believers. Ambassadors are, are usually the very best. You are God's very best. God is sending you out to be His ambassador... To bring hope to the hurting. To bring health to the sick. And to help people walk in the manner that God has called them to walk. We are no longer bound by the curse. We are no longer bound by Satan's dominion. That dude has been defeated. That dude has been made a mockery of. And because of Jesus, we sit with Jesus up on high. And we rule and we reign again with Christ. I'm not saying you're a God, so don't go there. The moment you start thinking you're God, put on your very finest suit and go walk on the pool. God loves you. God cares about you. God cares about every little hurt and every little thing in your life. God wants you to be a person who gets the privilege of walking in Jubilee. God wants you to be a person who's set free. God wants you to be a person who's not bound any longer. God's called us to greater things, to higher places, and to do things we could never think or imagine. If you could bow your heads, I don't know if there's anybody in this place that has never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation. God's calling you to Him. God's calling you to Jubilee. God's calling you to restoration. You don't have to fight those things that you've been battling alone. And through Christ is the victory. If there's anybody in this place that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, will you look at me and just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. Will you look at me and and do that? I want to give you a moment. I want to give you a moment, Christians. You should be praying. The greatest miracle that Jesus ever did or that anybody can ever that they can ever take place as someone being restored the greatest miracle is someone accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is there anybody in this place just a couple more seconds and I'm winding it down thank you Lord <clears throat> awesome well I I do believe there is, but if that's you or you've walked away from God, all you have to do is get on your knees and say, God, accept me. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you will be saved. I encourage you, if you do that, maybe you didn't want to do it here because you're embarrassed, but if you do that, man, let somebody know. We want to come alongside you, encourage you, and help build you up. Amen? Awesome. Awesome.